Welcome back as Pastor Tony continues his message from Luke chapter 15 here on Brit David Podcast. Uh, I've shared with you a parable of the, of the lost sheep. I've shared with you a parable of the lost coin. I want to talk about a family. Every, something all of us can relate, we relate with here. Uh, this passage, if you would, picks up, look at, if you would, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to, me, coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in, in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went, he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed swine. It's just a little point here. I think that's fascinating, the fact that a Jewish kid in this, in this culture would be, sent into the, he would be sent to feed pigs. Those, those two don't go exactly go together very well. Uh, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17 is the point. Listen to this. But when he came to himself, let me say that line again. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he felt compassion, and he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. They begin to have a party. One of my favorite places when I lived here in the area, one of my favorite places to go, when I, when I needed to get my batteries charged, you know where I went? I went to Callaway Gardens. Uh, I love Callaway Gardens, still love Callaway Gardens. And so many times I would be on the, on the hiking trails or the, or the, uh, or the bike trail, and, and Callaway fed my soul. And so my family and I, we kept a family membership all the time. And so uh, usually when the balloon glow happened around Labor Day, I would head to to the lake and I would be there you know my wife and family would be there it, when our kids were small especially to see the balloons that would be fired I understand there's gonna be a balloon here tomorrow that's pretty cool but but they would have all these balloons around the lake that they would fire up and my kids thought that was incredible uh, when my, when our kids were small my son was about about six or seven uh, my daughter was still in a in a in a uh, stroller and so we had gone up with some some friends and we were near the lake uh, my wife and my son had stepped over into the edge of the beach area, and my son had brought his sand toys, and he's playing in the sand, <clears throat> and there were people everywhere. I mean, it was just dark with people all the way around, and music is playing from the bandstand with the army band that was playing. It was really a great, great night. And in the midst of it all, my wife remembered something, came over and spoke to me and our two friends who were with us, and my daughter was in the stroller. She spoke to me, and then we, we both looked back around to where Matthew was in the sand, and he was long, no longer in the sand. We couldn't see him anywhere. So, and we're, you know, I talked about losing your child a while ago. Just one of those moments. I, I, I looked to the right. We couldn't see Matthew anywhere to the right, all the way around the lake. Looked to the left. There's a huge crowd of people. I couldn't see my son anywhere. This little six, seven-year-old little kid. Uh, we couldn't find him anywhere. My wife takes off to the right. I take off to the left, and we're searching from place to place, asking people, hey, have you seen a kid wandering around? 
15 minutes or so goes by and we're still looking for our son. My heart is just, just thumping like going to come out of my chest. And then I heard the music stop and I looked up and a big old army colonel was up, uh, who was the band leader, he was, he's standing behind the podium. He said, will the lost parents of Mr. Matthew Gray please come to the front? Your son is worried about you. <laughs> Matthew is standing there holding this big army colonel and Matthew sees me and he starts, he's doing this with his hand. And anyway, as I start towards him, Matthew dives off that stage and he starts running and he takes a leap and he wraps arms and legs around me. He wasn't going to turn loose for love or money. He was hanging on to me. My son was lost and was found. I don't know how this dad felt in this. This is a parable. But in this parable, a, a dad had two sons, older and younger. Younger came to his dad. His, he's asking for inheritance from his father. Now, if I remember right, inheritance comes when somebody dies. But here this younger son is asking to get things early. His father grants him this request, and he gives him this inheritance. <clears throat> the younger son came to him. It's really interesting what he, what he starts off saying. He says, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Um, the choices he were, the young man was making in this was all bad. The Bible says that the dad grants him his, his wish. The younger son receives it, and not long after, that, the Bible says that he takes off and he goes into a far country. We're not told where he goes to, but we know he takes it off and we see from the scriptures that he wastes that inheritance pretty quickly. The, the money, well, he thought it was so great when it was there evidently, but guess what? The, the money and the friends left pretty quickly when it, when it was all gone. And here this young man, this young son, <clears throat> who has been used to the finery of life, of having servants and, and all this, finds himself joining himself, scripture says, to a citizen of that country who has pigs and he's feeding pigs, and he's in the middle of the pig slop. Now, I grew up next to Homer Isabel's pig farm in northwest Alabama, and I knew when the wind shifted out of the south, I knew exactly where the wind was coming from because I could smell those pigs coming across. Can you imagine this rich young man ended up in the middle of the pig pen and how that life had totally changed? You ever, you ever been at the bottom of the barrel when you feel like, you know, life can't get any worse than this? And I, and I don't doubt this young man felt, felt that way. And everything is going bad. Everything is going wrong. The Bible says, it, it, what's, what's really cool, it says, and, and uh, when he came down, and what I love from the scriptures is, but when he came to himself, the turning point. <clears throat> Question for you. When did you come to yourself? What happened in your life in that time where you came and said, you know, I can't live this way any longer. I know I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. I can't even pull myself up out with my own bootstraps. God, I need you. I need you to forgive me for my sin. I need you to come into my life and change me. When did you come to yourself? This young man has that moment. He came to himself, and, the, and he, he even rehearses this speech that he's going to give his dad. I'm going to tell my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your servants. And then he gets out of that pig pen and he begins to come home. Home. Isn't that a beautiful word? Home. Uh, I have to travel a lot. Uh, and, and being in my car a lot, being in my truck a lot, that is, and heading down the road all the time, whenever that truck turns around and I know I'm heading over to 404 Rolling Hills Lane, and there's a little short Italian girl that I look so much forward to seeing, seeing my wife. And I'm heading home. I'm heading home. If I say the word home to you, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? It may be 
where you're, you live now. It may be where you grew up. This young man's coming home. He's coming down the road. I don't know what Middle Eastern homes were like. I didn't know if there were front porches on those houses or not. But all I know is that dad was watching. And the Bible says that the father sees the son a long way off. The Bible says not only he sees him a long way off, but he comes running to where his son is. Uh, when he runs to him, he sticks out his hand and says, Good to see you, son. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're back here. He didn't say that at all. The Bible says he wraps his arms around that old stinking kid. All the, the pig slop, all the things about him. No coat, nothing. And we know he wraps his arms around him. Kisses him. Gives him a kiss. There was a song years ago by a guy named Benny Hester. I don't know if you know that name. Benny Hester wrote a song. The name of the song was, And God Ran, When God Ran. When I first heard the title of that, I thought, that's the dumbest title for a song. God doesn't run. God, God doesn't need to run. And then I read the lyrics, and I heard it being sung. And it was talking about God in the figure of this, this prodigal son's father, that God was watching, God was caring, and God ran to us. God wrapped his arms around us. And when he ran to me, he, he held my head to his chest, the, the song says. He says, my son's come home again. This son begins to try to, 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 rehearse, to rehearse his speech. He doesn't even get all the way through it. Father, I've sinned against heaven, against thy sight. And the father just, you can see him turn to his servants in motion. And then he makes a request. He said, bring forth, uh, let me give you the exact ones. The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. He asked for the robe. This young man walked up with no robe. Uh, servants did not have the finery of what this young man, but this father asked that the son would be clothed again in the finery of that family. He said, put a, put a robe on him. He says, put a ring on his hand. What kind of ring is that? Uh, if, you, if you know what a, a signet ring looks like, this idea with a crest on the top of it for a family, very common in those days for something legally to be done with wax being there and then the crest of that family being there. So this dad was not only giving his son the, 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 the wrappings of that family, but he was also giving him the authority of being back together as a son. And he said, put shoes on his feet. Servants didn't have the kind of the footwear that, that this family had. If you get the point, the dad is restoring him. The dad is forgiving him, and he's reinstating him to the family. That ever happened to you? Has there been a time in your life where you were this prodigal? We're going to get back to that in a second. This, this young man made so many bad choices, and he had consequences that had from those choices. The change in him has hap happened big time. That This young man that started off, give me, give me, give me, now says, Father, make me, make me. Make me. Humility has arrived. And then finally he comes to confess, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against thy sight. I have to tell you, the two things I see about the dad in this, the father's compassion for the son is all over the place, as you see the way that he responds to this kid. That's God's heart for you and for me. That's God's heart for the lost. Whether it's an eight-year-old little Hispanic kid that comes up uh, and here's Bible stories, and he's playing the games, and all of a sudden hears that Jesus loves him, that, that Jesus died for him. Is that eight-year-old Hispanic kid loved by the Lord? Absolutely. Is that eight-year-old's 46-year-old father loved by the Lord? He absolutely is. 
It doesn't matter the who, but it matters the what. God loves, period. That's who he is. That's who he is. The father's compassion for the son, the dad was waiting for his return. And then the father's celebration in the way that he rejoiced. Uh, the angels in heaven rejoice. If somebody accepted Christ here this morning or somebody uh, tomorrow in the Ark of the Park and all of a sudden the gospel is being shared and every single time that a person received Jesus or every single time that somebody responds, the angels of heaven are having a great time because they're responding to so-and-so receiving Jesus or this person repenting and coming to Christ. Hear me say that this is what God is all, is all about. Uh, I could tell you that there was only one prodigal that I would be telling you a falsehood because there are two prodigals in the story. The second one's an older son. Older son never left home. By the way, a prodigal doesn't mean that you have to wander off and be in a, end up in a pig pen like this younger son. Uh, many of us, myself included, I never left home. And I was just as miserable and just as rebellious and just as bitter and jealous and resentful as you could name. I didn't look like, act like, smell like Christian. I was, I, was, I was bitter. I was, we used the word in, in Baptist circles, backslidden. You ever heard that word before? Uh, just running from God. This older son comes up and he hears the party going on. Catch this. It was in the field, verse 25, and he came, he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours came and has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and it's alive again. He was lost and is found. I submit to you there are two prodigals here. There was the younger one who wandered away, but there was the older one who stayed at home but was just as much a prodigal in his heart. Uh, I, I submit to you that, that in this crowd tonight, today, as far as a, a people that are here, that many of you are either have been in a prodigal situation or you're in one right now that you're wandering in your heart from the Lord. Now, I would, I would even go as far as to say that I believe that every person, every single man, woman, and sometime in their life will go through some type of prodigal experience. Other people may not even know it. This time of wandering from, the, the, from this idea of being a f fully faithful to the Lord and being totally following him in holiness. This young man, this older son that is, was one that was that, that way. He was, he was jealous of his brother. He was resentful for the, the attention and the forgiveness that his brother was getting. And he was accusatory. He was angry. But guess what? God loves him too. And God wants his repentance too. And let me say that God wants your repentance. You know, it's interesting. Uh, parables have a reason. And remember what I'm and saying, that they, they had one main point, and the point was here, the heart of God over somebody that's repenting. Now think about who the parables were intended for, the, the audience. These, these, these Pharisees, these, these scribes, these ones that were grumbling. And Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson do you think they can relate to this idea of bitter and jealousy and resentfulness? They can. Is there somebody that's in your mind that you can think of that, that you may even be thinking of it, that that person is too far away from the, from the, 
forgiveness of God. God could never save a person like that. God could never save a people like that. You ever thought that? Uh, a, a man some years ago walked, is it okay to walk down? There's a man some years ago um, was down doing discipleship down in Miami, Florida. And he, uh, Rudy Hernandez was his name. And Rudy was down and he was teaching Master Life, which is pretty intense. It's like 26 weeks of pretty intense stuff. So he's walking in, he's, te- he's teaching prisoners and he's walking through with his materials. And as he's walking through with his materials one week, he hears a man say, hey, who are you and why are you here? And he looks over and he looks into this cell and there stands a little short Latino man and he's in full dress uniform. And he looks at him and he says, well, my name is Rudy Hernandez. I'm here to teach the Bible. I'm here to talk with, with men and teach men about God's word. He said, who are you? He said, my name is Manuel Noriega. He said, I am the former president of Panama. And so Rudy's looking at him like, you know, I didn't even know that he was in here. You know, and, but because he was the only prisoner of war at that time, uh, he was allowed to be in full dress uniform. I mean, he was literally in his, in his military uniform. And so over a period of time, he started talking with Rudy. And, 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 and Rudy would come back and forth every week. And he started teaching Master Life to, to Manuel Noriega. Manuel Noriega supposedly accepted Christ through this, through this exchange, all that was going on. I was living, uh, I was serving, my wife and I were in Panama at the time. You think Panamanians believed that Noriega had accepted Christ? They, they said, never happened, did not happen, did not happen. Rudy Hernandez swore that he did, that it really was true. All I know is that Rudy, Hern- I mean, Manuel Noriega, Tony Gray, it doesn't matter because every single one of us have the same need. Now, I know some people can do some horrible things, but hear me say that the grace of God, his forgiveness is not short. It will reach to the farthest person. And hear me say this, when it's here today for you, if you're here today and you see yourself as being maybe like this, this younger son and you, that you find yourself in a time of wandering away from what God wants for your life and, or like this sheep that had, that had literally gotten out of the fold and, you, and you've been wandering and you've been wandering, hear me say that God has been looking for you and God wants you to come to him. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and Lord, hear me say Why not start this Ark in the Park time off the right way in coming to know Jesus today here? Give this church and the angels of heaven a reason to celebrate with you coming and giving your heart and life to Jesus. What does that mean? That means today knowing that if you've never received him, knowing that you're a sinner, knowing that every single one of us have the same problem, we're all sinners. We need his, his, his forgiveness. We need his grace. Not only knowing you're a sinner, but knowing you can't save yourself, that only God can do that. And that he did something about it in giving Jesus for you and for me on the cross when Jesus Christ came and died for you and me. And our part of that is, is coming to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. And I ask you to come into my life and save me from my sin and be my Savior. Question, have you done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where you did that, where you invited Jesus to come into your heart and into your life and be your Lord and Savior? I have great, great news for you. I know today... If, if that's what the Lord is speaking to your heart, then that's what you need to do in, in a few minutes to come up. And I, 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 would, I would challenge you to come up and grab Brother Tim by the hand as he's going to be here at the front. Take him by the hand and say, Brother Tim, today I want Christ in my life. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sin, and I want to be a believer. And be honest with him, and he'll pray with you and help you to know this, this Lord that we've just been talking about. Uh, you may be here like me, and, and uh, as, a, as a believer, you wandered have, or have been wandering. 
and you know that, that right now your relationship with God is not what it needs to be, and you know it's time to get back on track. You know it's time to get your heart and your life back with, with the Lord. Uh, for you to, to sign your name at the bottom of the check and say, Lord, you fill it in. I'm going to follow you, whatever you want for my life. I, did, I challenge you the same way to come to Brother Tim and say, Brother Tim, I'm a believer, but I know that things are not right between me and God. And I need to get some things right with him. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That passage was written to believers. And that means you and I sin, and we need his cleansing to cleanse us. Um, God may be laying something else on your heart. Uh, you may want to come and pray here at the front. That's, that's up between you and God. But this morning, I, I challenge you to listen as the Lord speaks to your heart uh, and do what he would tell you to do. We love you. I, I appreciate you allowing me this morning to come and be, shoot straight with you. Um, Jesus is needed on the mountains, but I think Jesus is needed in Columbus, Georgia. And would you be willing today to say, Jesus, I need you. And I ask you to save me. Let me pray for us. And Brother Tim's going to come to the front. So, Father, I, I just come to you today and I ask you this morning to touch the heart that's here, that's, Lord, that, that, that's wandering, that's lost. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would touch hearts today of people who need to respond to you. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, Savior, Lord, I pray you'd give them the strength to come up and to, and to share with Brother Tim that, that, that today that they want to receive Christ. Or if there's someone here today to get a, a relationship with you right, I pray that you give them the, uh, the boldness as they come out of that pew and they come and share that with him today. Thank you for this time to be together. I just pray you guide us in these next few moments. In Christ's name, amen. This year at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.